Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together, we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, Davros is back online, more apologising, e-readers and buying a house. Now, Lippy, another episode and another apology. It was a big oopsie this time, though, I think. It was quite a big oops, and I'm very grateful to the Screaming Tomatoes who pointed it out all the way from Australia. Somehow, I think in a post-Christmas euphoria, I managed to... Yeah, haze is probably a better phrase. Mm. I managed to upload only the introduction and not the rest of the ramble. (laughs) Good work. It was good work, so... Thank you very much. So I have put in something into our workflow notes to stop that happening again. Yeah, that's definitely a good idea. The, the oddity was is we use a soft well, website for compressing the audio. And I looked at it and thought, that looks unusual. It's not normally like that. And that should have been a sign, really. Plus the fact it, took, it was very quick. Yeah, as well. I was going to say, surely when you look at the upload and like, how long the episode was it was coming up for like five minutes (laughs) i think it was about 20 seconds yes (laughs) five minutes well the problem is i take the time right at the beginning of the process so before it goes through any sort of munging or what Mm -hmm. have you uh well yes so a couple of things there but uh, so if you just heard your dulcet tones a bit of mine as well then i I apologize but um, you didn't miss a great deal to be honest it was a review of 2020 and there was not a lot to be said yeah, and a bit more ramble. So we had a, an email from Davros. He's back online after a fairly frustrating couple of weeks. Uh, he's kudos to Netgear's support, which is good to hear. Yeah, it sounded like he got some pretty good service from them. Yeah, well, I've used Netgear for decades, and they've always been pretty good. Uh, the, the kit's fairly good. I know people, they have their distractors, but um, yeah, so good. So he's back online, back on issuing missives from Scaro. Uh <laughs> Strangely, no no information about New Year's Day's Doctor Who, nor the news that the the latest Doctor Who is stepping down. Oh, yeah. At the end of, well, presumably the end of the series they've just been filming. Mm. Now, Davros's playlist had a record on there that I couldn't bring myself to add to our playlist as he was a, <laughs> a disgraced 1970s glam rock star. And Davros has been nagging me to replace it, and I have replaced it now. And I've replaced it with Jethro Tull's Ring Out Solstice Bells. Obviously, it's about 360 days before we'll go through this again with Christmas playlists, but mm. it's there for next year. That's good. That's good. Yeah. There for next year, ready. Yes, good to be prepared for Christmas. Yeah, definitely. One of the films we watched uh, last week or so has been Bad Boys 3, whatever it's called. I really want to see it. Oh, it's on something or other. Now TV. Watch. I saw yeah, it the other day. Is it yes. good? It's okay. It's a bit of a punch fest, to be honest. Uh, there's yeah. some very witty one-liners in there. It, it sort of hangs together with those, to be honest. I was reminded of the Salty Sailor, though, <laughs> because at one point, one of the bad boys says, I'll send you the coordinates, which did sound a lot better than saying horse and nappy maid or whatever the three words <laughs> would be for the... So I, 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 I kind of get it, really. I yeah. do kind of get it. So uh, yeah. Uh, so any news from the last week? Not massively. I mean, so quiet between like now and the end of January. It is <laughs> all a bit quiet. Pro- Pulled along, started a diet because I apparently put on two stone. 
Blimey. Since the start of lockdown. Well, no, one and a half, one and a half. Okay. Since the start of lockdown. And I I think Christmas week pushed me over the edge, over the little one stone add-on. So, yeah, diet started going really well on the second day. And I'm allowing myself four cubes of chocolate a day. Blimey. You can't just cut, cut chocolate. Isn't that more than you had before? No, I used to eat like at least three or four strips of chocolate. Oh, okay. And I've got one of the massive, stupidly big bars that you get at Christmas time. So, like, one strip is actually eight uh, cubes. Yes, yes. So I, I normally have two or three of those. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's stopping. I'm only allowed four cubes now. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Keep us updated on progress. There's nothing like having to tell people how much you've gained or lost in a week to it's the uh, focus only the way. Mind. Yeah, you'd actually do it as if people are monitoring. We're doing it as a group of friends. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, very good. Competition. The winner gets... Well, we're all putting in a fiver and the winner gets it. So there's six of us. So it's quite... So is that uh, the absolute weight lost or is that a proportion? Well, this is the thing. Myself and Chris wanted to do it as a proportion, like a percentage loss. But everybody else wants to do it as an amount lost. But we don't have that much to lose, really, between us. How, how long's the dieting period? End of Jan. If it looks super unfair, like we've lost a stone between us in a month and they've lost like seven, then obviously we're going to argue it. You think you're unlikely to lose seven stone in a month? Oh, sorry, between them. Between okay. them. Well, still three stone in a month's a lot. Or three and a yeah. half. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Excellent. I'm so competitive, I just want to win. Well, obviously, yes. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Well, I, the, you know what they say about idle hands? So over the Christmas break, I ordered a whole load of scrap metal from eBay mm. for lamps and scrap metal art that I'll be undertaking now we're not allowed out again. Yes. So that uh, that will be taking a little bit of time. So that's all started to arrive, much to the surprise of... Um, wife of grumpy he's going what's this then this is a bit heavy oh yeah it's 10 kilograms of uh, off scrap cuts. metal yes basically um and you know not being able to go and rummage through scrap yards at the moment it's it's quite a good way of amassing quite a lot of stuff for at least practicing welding if not actually producing it that's literally just reminded me of that show the scrap metal show we used to build a car with it Oh, Scrap Yards Challenge. Yeah, that was yes. a great show. That was a great show. There is another one called, I think it's Supercar Challenge, which is similar sort of lines, except they're trying to beat a supercar at a certain activity, I want to oh. say. So, you know, straight line over a quarter mm. mile or over a muddy terrain, that sort yeah. of thing. And there's been some absolute corking machines oh, built. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a good show. So we've got two features, Lippy, this week. We do. E-readers or Kindles or Nobos or Nobos or whatever they're called and other products are available. Yeah, there's one called N-O-B-O. This will probably get us um, another age rating from YouTube for saying Nobo, but (laughs) we can live that. So I have a third generation Kindle, which having looked it up is from about 2010. So it's 10 years old and still going very strong. And much to uh, friends of mine's dismay, I absolutely love it. And the reason is it doesn't have a touchscreen. There's no backlight. So the battery lasts ages and ages and ages. And it's sim- the screen is similar to reading a paperback. So if it hasn't got a touchscreen, how do you go pay- through the pages? There's little buttons on the side to go forwards oh. and backwards. 
so you don't get fingerprints all over it mm. and it uses that amazing electronic ink technology which is yeah. a little bit like a etch-a-sketch on speed really mm. it's, it's a phenomenal thing and a friend of mine has been fiddling with various bits of circuitry for various odd things and he's been using these displays and they're as cheap as chips they i mean they they cost you know it's a pound or something for a display it's, it's very little money and it, it's brilliant because you can see say the temperature outside and it, you're not using power to continually refresh the screen it's That's just good. the one so it's a really interesting technology mm-hmm. yeah, it's been around for a while and perfected probably by amazon yeah, the Chris just got one. And the first thing we both noticed is that compared to like your iPhone and your tablet and all of that, it take, it does take a while to load itself. But that is because of the Etch-a-Sketch type yeah. screen. So it's like re-inking it all and like you can see it shuffling down to oh, really? re- reload the page. Yeah. Oh, mine's it's virtually instantaneous. It is a touchscreen one, so maybe it's the... Yeah, it's two technologies together, maybe. Uh, the other thing I like about it is that you can't, well, you can connect to the internet, but it is so slow and clunky. Yeah. It, you have no distractions. So it's not like no. reading on your phone when all of a sudden there's a message. A comes message, in. yeah. It is, it is quite good. And the lighting is a lot better for your eyes. Chris's one is backlit, but it's still not very yeah. bright at all compared to like your phone. It's not that massive UV yeah. in your face. Yeah, there's no. Yeah. yeah, it's the blue light that causes mm. problem it sort of defeats the object if you're going to bed to read exactly and then yeah you read on something with lots of blue light mm. gosh that was a sensible top tip that was snap. how did that happen who knows yeah well here's an amazing fact if you fill a kindle or any other e-reader with lots and lots of books do you think it weighs more than an empty one it can't do it does no it does well i'll post the link uh, in the website wow. uh, well it's... apparently because it's basically energy and energy has a mass then it's a very small number it's 10 to the power of minus 18 grams so it is ridiculously small and i suspect this is theoretic theoretical theoretical <laughs> <laughs> whether somebody's actually ma- uh, measured it or not i don't know i'm not sure scales can measure to that that low sum Interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That is strange. That's like the whole 700 grams of cooked chicken is less than 700 grams of raw chicken. Less in terms of what? The amount of chicken that you get. So 700 grams of cooked chicken is... It's heavier than 700... Well, it, can't, it can't be heavier. No, sorry, it's lighter. Well, it no, can't be lighter it's, either. It's less, it's less, it's less. So what you're saying is if you, if you put 700 grams of raw chicken and cook it, you end up with fewer grams... Of cooked chicken. Yes. Yes. That is what that. I'm saying. That's because lots of water comes out. Yeah, exactly. Be interesting to try that with different types of, or different sources of meat. Yeah, it would example. actually. It's like supermarket meat, cheap yes. supermarket meat, it, exactly. expensive supermarket meat. That would be a very good... It would be an interesting test, yeah. wouldn't it? Maybe it's something we ought to do when we can Maybe. get together again. <laughs> Let's meet up and cook chicken. Well, why not? It's for work. <laughs> If anyone asks, we're working. <laughs> Absolutely right, yes. Oh, the other thing I like about an e-reader, and I'll be honest, I prefer a book. I prefer mm. the feel of a book and pages, and certainly reference books, it's easier to go through and stick bits of paper in where you've, you know, you're 
if you're looking at two or three sections at once. So my preference is for a book. However, the advantage of the e-reader is that you can have all of your books in there, and I've got loads yeah. and loads of, of workbooks, um, which tend to go out of date fairly quickly. And I, I've got a lot of... well. It, database books for example oh right i see so, i was thinking you know, how does a book go out of date yeah the information and, <laughs> i and see I'll, what you mean yeah and unfortunately you know i have printed books that i've tried to sell and there has no value at all and you end mm, up recycling them, which is a bit of a shame yeah yeah so if it's in the e-reader then you've wasted a little bit of money but not resources so yeah. it's not books and paper and ink and stuff you're throwing mm. out going on holiday with an e-reader is brilliant because you know a very small package you can have mm. a ton of books and if you're going abroad that's that's well yeah, if you ever get to go abroad well. again yeah mm. absolutely you know if you had a suitcase full of books that would be daft but um you know you take more than that in an e-reader and my go-to author for holidays is dick francis and i don't know why i've always loved his books and i'm quite happy reread them so, what kind of category are we talking about? Well, they're, they're, they're various ones, but they're all around the horse racing industry. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they are really well written. And unfortunately, Dick Francis has passed on some while back, but his son has taken over the mantle and his, his writing is as good and the stories mm. are good. And the re- what's really interesting is you learn something from them as well. We are going off topic a bit. Yeah. But it is they're very well researched and you feel you've learned something as well as been entertained at the same time and that's quite a good thing in my view that is yeah i'm definitely more of a paperback kind of person though and i'm not really a book reader only when i'm on holiday i'm away and i can read a lot when i'm away went to america we me and my friend went and actually picked up books we went to a little very good um what are they called those little shops with libraries no, Shops. not libraries. Yeah, bookshop. We went to a bookshop. <laughs> that was a brain fart if I've ever had one. Well, it is the first week of a new year. It is, yes. Yeah, just got ourselves a little book. Uh, one more advantage of the e-reader. So if you've got a heavy book, for example, Wife of Grumpy has just bought Richard Osman's Thursday Murder Club which is a brilliant, brilliant book. But it's in hardback, and it's really heavy to oh, read yeah. in bed. Whereas yeah. an e-reader, and to be honest, you could probably get some sort of stand that clamps onto the bed, and it's just in front of your face. How swanky would that be? Yeah, they've definitely seen things like that. For, That's a good idea. Yeah, for a small tablet. So you get a an e-reader in there, no problem at all. Yeah, because the other thing about reading a book is your arm always gets cold. Yeah out the bed absolutely you're gonna be all like tucked in and snuggled yeah. and then the book just in your face but then you change the page with your nose yeah well if you had an alexa voice activated one yeah you just oh say no next page. you're gonna set mine off now oh no she's fine <laughs> jolly good we were on a zoom the other day and um one of chris's friends decided it'd be absolutely hilarious to go alexa set an alarm for 6 a.m oh that's perfect if I set yours off. <laughs> no, but you set oh. yours off, I can hear yeah. it. I'll turn her off later. Yes, I hope you have... remember. <laughs> I'll be running down the stairs at 6am. I'll let you know. We had a, a demonstration a couple of years back on voice activation. And the guy doing the presentation left the room momentarily. And in between, somebody managed to order 25 kilograms of dog food. <laughs> which, yeah, of course, he didn't know until it was delivered. That's hilarious. So our next topic is something I haven't done for well, nearly 25 years, which is buying a house. Mm. 
the problem is it's divided into two things. There's the joy of buying the house. And, and the there's stress. the absolute nightmare that then follows that, including mm. moving. And the last move was so horrific. I never want to do it again. I mean, you did have two young children when you did it. There was a number of problems with that move. Um, The Mm. two young children, who were no help whatsoever. (laughs) I was like six months old. Well, that's no excuse, really. (laughs) The fact that the house we were moving from, you had to take the upstairs windows out to get the furniture out the upstairs, which (laughs) was done by the removal men, so that was all right. But then the house we were buying, the guy gave us the keys and they didn't fit the door. And then the, we found a whole load of his stuff still in the house. And it was, yeah, mm. it was just a bit of a nightmare. And it was it was run down when we bought it. And we walked in and just went, oh, I don't remember it being this bad. Yeah. And then it, it turned into a bit of a money pit because the boiler broke and just all these things. And you just think, oh, what have I done? It turned out okay in the end. Obviously, because you still live there now. Well, yeah, well, only because I won't move. <laughs> it's too much too much yes we did we did try and it yeah. it failed and i'm glad it failed for many reasons i can let you know that trying to buy a house hasn't become any less stressful i attempted it when was it eight well we put the offer in and had it accepted and we're pretty much ready to move mid-march and then bam the thing we don't talk about happened yep. and lots of other things happened fell through but those three, four months of us almost buying a house were so stressful. Yeah. And, like, you just don't know what you're doing the whole time. I feel like no like, no one's updating you. So you just get random emails being like, why haven't you sent me this? I'm like, I didn't even know I needed to send you that. Yeah. And then it's like the mortgage company now wants, you've, like, sent them your three months pay slips, your proof of whatever. And they're like, no, that's not enough to prove that you work. I'm like, what do you want to do? Come come down to my office and just check I'm there. It is very stressful. I mean, we were blessed when we moved here with an extremely good estate agent uh, who we were selling our house through, uh, who knew exactly where everybody was in the chain mm. uh, he, uh, he's still still there in the village and uh, you know he's exceptionally good but you talk to the other estate agent hadn't got a clue absolutely mm. no clue whatsoever and i think with more and more online sales it, the personal touch becomes yeah. um, harder to find let's put it that way which is you, know, you need some help with this it's a it's a monumental task for whatever reason i do have to say that the estate agent we had were very good the people we were, that we were buying the house with after we found out who it was we were meant to be talking to which took about a month once we found her she was absolutely amazing yeah. but we had no chain the people that we were buying off of were buying a, a house that nobody lived in mm-hmm. and we weren't selling chris's house so it's not a lot of work then is it <laughs> It's, it's not it's a lot not, of updates going back and forth. It's just what's happening literally between us two. That is very true. And you can imagine a long chain. I don't know how long it was when we moved. It, there was at least four or five. A part of the problem is the person who was selling the house we're now in, he was selling it because he was getting divorced. So he didn't really want to move out. Mm. And that just just delayed it. And I can understand why, but it is, it is quite frustrating. Yeah, we wanted to move quick. We tried to move quick, but there were a few little things that, like, the roof popped up as being an issue, so we needed to get that looked into, and then it just kind of, we didn't hear from anyone for ages, and then I lost my job, so then that was it, done. (laughs) Well, it possibly worked out okay in the 
in the end yeah frustrating at the time it was a lovely house and we loved the house but Mm. it did mean that whilst I didn't have a job we were very still stable and it wasn't a stress of we've just moved like now we can't pay the mortgage and yeah yeah, all of that drama and trying to rent out this house and we didn't have any of that which which in hindsight it definitely worked out for the best but got our mortgage advisor appointment in two weeks so we're Fantastic. gonna try again excellent <laughs> can't wait <laughs> but the quality of house has definitely changed online you're getting a lot more for your money now interesting which is great news for us because our price point is kind of mid-range i'd say well i, I did a bit of research into facts and figures Mm. And the average house price in October 2020 was 245000 which was up 5.4% on the previous year, which seems a massive increase. However, when you oh, look sorry. at the number of house sales, so in 2019, mm. it was 1.18 million. 2020, yeah. we were down to 650000 Well, it's not a lot of people decided not to move in the end. Yeah, I think so. And also, that does not seem like enough money for a house. Well, did it say what type of house you get for that? Because it's well, it's the average house price. So yeah. it's it's very distorted because there'll be some massively high outliers. That, oh, I guess that that it, is that across the whole country as yeah, well? Across the whole country, yeah. 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 yeah, so down here, a house that price is like two-bedroom. Yes, it's astonishing because it's more than it's twice tiny. what we pay for the house we're in now. Which is ridiculous. It is crazy. And there's no way we can afford to buy this house now. It's it's, it's bonkers. Mm. We're definitely looking for a house that isn't that expensive now, but has like a bit of extra land around the edge or like hasn't got an extension over a garage yet, but has a garage. It's like somewhere we can afford now and tweak, make it bigger and a bit nicer as we... Unfortunately, estate agents will up the price on that because it has potential. Mm. so even though it's but not it's there not you're that. still paying yeah. for it which is which is crazy yeah it's silly it's a crazy world trying to buy a house for sure it is it is a bit bonkers the only piece of advice i can give having made this mistake first time round, is use a solicitor that's local mm. because inevitably you're going to have to go and see him or her and if you've chosen one that's at the west end of london and you're working in essex at the time that's a horrible drive across yeah, thanks london thanks for that advice could have given yeah. me that one ours was down in like cornwall or somewhere that's far too far <laughs> ours, our solicitors were not good they were the recommended ones and no. we should not have gone with them they were absolutely horrendous we barely heard from them they didn't really know what was going on and anytime i asked them a question they were like that's not a question for us that's a question for the estate agents yes <laughs> and we're like uh, cool thanks <laughs> Unfortunately, I think what happens is you tend to, you see the partner to begin with or a partner to begin with. And then because it's conveyancing, it goes to the intern to do the actual work. Mm. So the, the people, you know, the partners have no idea what's going on with yeah. that whatsoever. Um, because it, I mean, you can do it yourself. It is a process. It's, um, I'm not sure the um, mortgage company would like that, but you or you'd want to. Yeah, you'd want, you'd want some something we had an interesting thing come up on our search for our properties that um we're not allowed to hold a carnival on the grounds oh, apparently yeah there's a covenant on the land to say that you can't do that well technically you did didn't you when you did the had the driveway classic car show it's not really a carnival isn't it no <laughs> no <laughs> depends what carnival means i guess 
Well, I I'd say at least fire eaters. Okay. Carnival. I'm I'm going to hire a fire eater and send them to your house. But as long as you're not charging people for it, and oh, I yeah, would say yeah. clowns, fire eaters, and jugglers, are the absolute <laughs> minimum for a carnival. Well, the clowns already live in the house. <laughs> that's that's not funny at all. Another thing that we did that I'm so thankful that we did, and obviously doing again, is have a mortgage advisor. Yeah. He that that company has honestly been so amazing, and he was put on furlough. The main guy. So we were given a, a girl that was a secretary to a few of them that were still working in the office. And she was honestly, I really want to be her friend. We got on so well. Mm. And she was so nice and so on it. And every time I emailed her, she would reply within 24 hours with an update or like, a, I've chased them again. I promise you, like, I'm, t- I'm on them. I'm chasing them. So yeah, we're staying with them again because they just made everything a lot easier. And they don't make you feel bad if you don't know what you're doing or like what's going on. He explained everything very yeah. clearly and he made sure we actually understood because a lot of the time they use all these big words and it's all these like stuff about insurance and things like that as well and making sure that we had life insurance because that's another thing we didn't even consider hmm. that once we have a joint mortgage on a house that actually we do need life insurance because if one of us dies the other one needs to be able to live in the house. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And not have and, to and it's cheap as, or... cheap as chips as well at your age. Oh God, it's like a... It's like, Fifteen pound a month. Yeah, and I it was like a million pound life insurance. Yeah. it's ridiculous. Chris has a nut allergy, so you know. <laughs> yes, well, that, I just broadcast that. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, obviously, I would never. I, a lot of that is to do with the industry has been cleaned up a lot. Um, if you mm. go back into the eighties, there were some very dodgy, not necessarily mortgage advisors, but certainly uh, personal finance advisors. Um, I've worked for a number of companies where there's been some some goings on that's need to be corrected, mm. to be honest. So there's a lot of know your client type activities because if you know if they sign you up for this, that and the other, and then in a year's time you go, Why am I paying this? or why didn't you tell me about this? Then then they're covered. Yeah. So th- there is a lot of that. So the, the financial industry itself is, is a lot cleaner than than it was but also it's good business practice so you have a good experience with them you're knowing yeah. you know, your age group there'll be lots of people you know who'll be looking at mortgages and things like that um although apparently the average age of a first-time buyer is now 31 which you can see how that happens oh gosh yeah yeah absolutely because when i rented my rent for my flat including my bills was a lot more than what a mortgage would be mm. But I can't get a mortgage on that amount because I I don't quite have the salary for it, even though I can prove I pay it because I obviously pay my paid my rent. But they don't give you the money just because you can prove you can pay it. Your salary literally has to match exactly what their requirements are to be able to buy the house. Yes, and a lot of that goes back to the malarkey that led to the 2008 crash where the mortgages were being horrendously oversold. Mm-hmm. And, Given you know, our left right. Well, yes, and you know the multiples were crazy, and you know I remember some mortgages. You know, if you go back before that, you could get an amazing multiple on your salary. Just it just wasn't an mm. issue at all, and money's a lot cheaper now than it was. I'd like to buy a bunch. <laughs> that would be it. nice. That would it certainly would be, be nice. nice. A couple of barns would be nice. I was reading in the paper this week. Apparently, lots of people my age and older are buying woodland. Oh. 
um, for to protect it, and also a bit of wild camping as well, which is quite nice. Yeah, that's quite cool. So, yeah. Is you have license to camp on it? If it's your land, no. No, I guess you. No, I wouldn't have thought so. And the, the one that was camping was beautiful, lovely lake in the middle of it, or pond in the nice. middle of it, and they'd fitted a composting toilet. Mm. Which is, uh, yes, yeah, I've only ever come across one. At a, they stink. This one did, um, but I, it must be better. You must be able to do better than that. And apparently you can get them on barges as well, which that just sounds horrendous. You know, people... Wait, on a barge, surely it just drops into the river? Well, you really don't want to do that. No. Really no, don't want to do that. I mean, I know I've sailed on boats of the ocean where they do that, and it's the ocean's slightly different. Slightly to a river. different, yeah, but um, yeah, it's not not overly. Because it pleasant. goes into the ocean anyway. <laughs> yeah, but it is cleaned up before it goes there. It doesn't mm. just drop straight in yeah, there. True. And I know there's a lot of other stuff in there, and the, the fish aren't too worried about where they do it. So <laughs> also, you have to worry about marinas as well when you've got that, that sort of toilet on board. So, do you have a top tip, Lippy, for this week? I do. My top tip is for those like myself who don't enjoy washing up. So, when you can't find a spoon, put sellotape around a fork and you can use it as a spoon. That is ridiculous. Why would you do that? Why, why would you, you simply rinse a spoon? Don't like washing up. Well, that's what... <laughs> So what are you using the spoon for? So if you use just for ice cream, you don't want to use your soup, your soup for your spoon, your spoon for your soup. Yeah. So put some sellotape around fork, then you've got a whole new spoon. I, I think we'll wait for the um, the fan mail to come in on that one. <laughs> also though, like what if you're out camping or whatever, you're naturing, and you forgot a spoon and you need a fork? Why, you just happen to have a reel of sellotape? So you've got a fork and a reel of sellotape? Yes. When have you ever taken sellotape camping? Never. But you've taken, like, masking tape, haven't you? Oh, probably. I take all sorts of tape. Gaffer tape, but I also take spoons. Yeah. What you want is, I can't think what they call it now. Is it a spork? Spork. So you've got a knife, fork and spoon all in one. No, a spork is just a spoon and a fork. There's something else that's a knife, spoon and fork, and I don't know what it's called. Oh, well, this is interesting. And unexpected mm. from uh, <laughs> the usual oracle, which is Wikipedia. So, an eating utensil combining the functions of a spoon, knife, and fork is called a splade. Yes. And it goes back to 1940 and it was invented by an Australian called William MacArthur. Crazy. Well, it does make sense, doesn't it? Like, if you're out and about, you don't want to have to take three things with you, you just take one. Yes, indeed. And what's interesting is the fighting bit of the cutlery is all at one end. So it's not as if you've got a fork at one end and a spoon at the mm. other and use a bit in the middle well, of the Well, yeah, because you don't want to put your hand on the bit that you've just cut with or be holding a bit you're just about to stab food with. No, definitely not. Especially so, in these days when you need to wash your hands every other second so that you don't die. Yeah, so actually, maybe rather than the sellotape, take a splade with you. Yeah, right, we'll change that top tip. Well, you don't have a spoon. Now. Take a splade. Take a splade. <laughs> Would you like to hear my fact of the week? Yeah, go on then. You'll be amazed by this. Hello. So the Easter Island heads, which we're all fairly familiar with, mm. have bodies. I heard about this. Yeah, so the tallest of the statues they've uncovered is 33 feet high Crazy. and has been named Paro. Apparently what happened is these things were got... There's, there's nearly a thousand statues on Easter Island, which is incredible. Yeah. And some of them have been... The soil's come in from somewhere, it's blown in, and it's covered them up to their heads. So, crazy. So, yeah, absolutely crazy. 
There's full bodies underneath those giant heads. Full bodies. Who made them though? Because thirty-three feet high is is like a lot of construction needed. It is, unless you lay it down under it and then stand it up. But that in itself is a fairly but, major yeah. achievement. I guess the Egyptians did it, didn't they? Well, they yeah, but it's slightly different With because ropes they and built, yeah ropes and pyramids and mm. stuff. So uh, yes, I was quite that's amazed good. at that. Yeah, that's very impressive, that one. That's a good fact. That was a good fact, yes. Was Not quite fact. as good as my top tip. I think it's a, it's a lot better, really. <laughs> Mind you, I suppose if, right. you, if you go to Easter Island, you can enjoy the uh, the 33-foot paro whilst eating food with your splayed. Yes, although that's not my, that wasn't my tip. My tip was to wrap sellotape around a fork. Y- so. Yeah, but I think uh, the unwrapping disturbs me. But we've talked about that for long enough, I think. Yeah, we have. <laughs> So that's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I would like to thank our sponsors. However, we don't have any. If you're enjoying our rambling podcasts and can spare a few pennies to help with our hosting costs, please head over to patreon.com forward slash lippy and grumpy and also leave a good review or a bad one. If you have a topic you'd like covered, please leave us a message via our website, lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye.